Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org. All right. Hey, welcome today. Good to see everybody here today. Turn in your Bible to Psalm 46. Psalm 46. Uh, if you've got your personal Bible devices, you can read it there or in your Bible you brought. We may not have this scripture on the uh, screen today, so you might want to turn and follow along with us this morning. So good to see everybody. Great to have you here. Uh, we welcome you. If you're a guest, thank you so much for coming and being with us. We're starting a three-part series entitled Margins. It's all about how we create room in our life, space in our life for God. God's the most important thing, and yet so often he gets choked out, pushed to the side, uh, gets the leftovers. So how do we create space? How do we make room for God in our lives? And today we're going to talk about how to learn to hear God's voice, how to listen to him and hear what God would say to us. So let's stand together as we read God's word today. Psalm 46 and verse number 1. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, and though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Can you say amen? Amen. Selah. Think about it. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolation he has brought on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow, the, the, excuse me, the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Look at verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Think about that. Father, we love you so much. We thank you, God, for your sweet presence in the house today. We do not take that for granted. We do not take it lightly, Lord Jesus. We love you so very, very much. Teach us how to learn to hear your voice today, to learn to be still, to know that you are God. We love you. Minister through your word, your word is truth. We ask it in your holy, mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. My, uh, my kids, I've, I've got three kids, and they accuse me of having ADD. If, if, you, if you don't know what that means, that's attention deficit disorder. And uh, it's because I'm always kind of doing something. I, I can't sit and relax and lay around and take naps. They'll take a nap. I mean, these guys are thir- in their 30s. And they need a nap on vacation. I'm going, what are you taking a nap for? You can sleep when you get to heaven all you want, man. This is, we, we, we maximize, we squeeze every ounce of energy out of every single day. You don't waste it taking naps. You, you're busy. You're doing something. There's too much of life, too much to do, too many things. Now, I don't really have the clinical definition of ADD because I, I can focus. 
And so I focus when I need to, and I study when I need to, but I'm on, on working or doing something. I uh, just, just hate laying around doing nothing. I, I, I get bored very, very easily. And I think what has happened is, in our world today, we have cultural ADD. We live in a very fast-paced, crazy society. If you're a mother of kids, a father of kids, you are a soccer mom, soccer dad, you're running them all over the place, you're taking them to music lessons, they've got something after school, something every night of the week, we've got things going on at the church, and you're always running, always going. Uh, sometimes you work long hours, and you'll put in 40, 50, 60 hours a week, and you're working overtime, and you've got so much going on. Our lives are so very, very busy. We're juggling a thousand thousand things. It's kind of like we're leading lives now in America. We're just spinning those plates. You ever seen those guys spin the plates and they get down to one end and the other one's about to wobble off and you spin that again and you come and spin that again and we're spinning plates and the plates are starting to come off the sticks and they're about to crash and burn and, and we're busy, crazy, crazy busy. In verse 10 he says, be still. Be still. Just just chill out. Be still and wait on God and learn who God is and spend time in his presence. Be still so you can hear the voice of God. And, and, and our restless souls, they keep on churning. But as we learn to be still, what happens is God comes in and he refreshes our souls. He refreshes our spirits. We're, we're, we're made anew again. Isaiah wrote it this way. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And there is that in our lives where we've got to create that margin where we wait upon God. We make room for God, space for God, and we are still so that we can be renewed. Our strength can be renewed. They that wait upon the Lord, he will renew their strength. Turn to Luke chapter 10. There's a story in there about Mary and Martha, a couple ladies, and uh, you've heard it before, but I'll read it to you again. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Now you've got two sisters. One's sitting there at the feet of Jesus just spending time with him, listening to him talk and soaking in his presence. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. I think we live in a very distracted society. The church is distracted. It's not just the world out there where the church is distracted. She came to ask him, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. Aren't you, when, he, when he says your name twice, you know, he's kind of calling you down. Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things only one thing is needed mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her i think what we have today in the church is the martha syndrome we're just so busy we're so distracted we've got every care going on and we're cooking and we're cleaning and we're doing all the stuff that needs to be done and they're not bad things martha was doing nothing bad everything she was doing was legitimate it had to be done it was very needful but in that time in that moment she should have been at the feet of jesus what an opportunity to have jesus in your house but you're so distracted you can't focus on him you can't spend time with him and he says, Mary hath chosen what is best, sitting at the feet of Jesus. So today, 
How, how do we create space? How do we make room to wait upon the Lord? How do we make room to sit at the feet of Jesus Christ? How, do we, how can we really be still and begin to learn the voice of the Lord? I want to give you three things today, and we're going to just teach this morning. I want you to jot these down and, uh, and follow along with me as we learn and grow together. I'm teaching the body of Christ today, and so we will tune in to what the Spirit has to say. Number one, first of all, you've got to make room for prayer. You have to make room for prayer. Prayer is our conversation with God, and without it, we're not in sync with him. We're out of sync, we're out of balance, and things get messed up. And, and what happens in prayer is sometimes we tend to overcomplicate it. We, we, uh, we, we, we make it very complex, very complicated, and we go through these, say, all these fancy words and these long things and all that. But to boil it all down, prayer is simply that conversation or connection with God. It's not complicated. It's talking to God just like you talk to your wife, your friend, somebody else. It's just talking to God. It's pouring out your heart to God. It is coming out of your heart with all honesty. It's a gut-level honesty that you can tell God anything because, by the way, if you don't know, he knows it already. And we talk to God and we tell him everything. Exodus chapter 5, you see the, the story of Moses and you, you see his brutal honesty and he, how he just opens up and yet it was said of Moses he was a friend who talked to God face to face. And so uh, Exodus chapter 5 and verse 22, it says, Now Moses returned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you brought trouble upon this people? Is this why you sent me ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name? You have brought trouble upon your people. You have not rescued your people at all. He said, God, I'm frustrated. You told me to go to Pharaoh and let my people go, and ever since I've done that, it's gotten worse. They're, they're beating us worse, and they're, they're demanding more work out of us. And he's just, he said, God, why aren't you doing anything? Now, now that may seem harsh when we first read it, but he is being gut-level honest with God. He's telling him exactly how he feels at that time. And, and if we want real relationship with God, we can't put on a face with him and we can't hide it. We need to be true and honest about what is going on and what's happening in our life. And that's what prayer is all about. God, what are you doing? Moses had many open, honest discussions with God. And you see that all throughout the book of Exodus. In our prayers, you don't have to pray in King James English. The King James is a fine version to read. If that's the one you like, that's awesome. But you don't have to say thee and thou and most holiest, uh, biggest, wonderfulest. Uh, and, and, and you don't have to do that. You don't have to change your voice. Okay, God, it's just you and me today. You know, you just talk natural. Open and honest. You don't have to be very religious sounding. Be simple, be open, and be honest. The bedrock of any relationship is honesty. You can't have a relationship where there is no honesty, where there is hiding and there's not truthfulness in all of your ways. And so it is with God. Our relationship is no different. And as we honestly communicate our thoughts and our needs and our emotions, what happens is our relationship with God is being strengthened and we are being renewed and we're sitting at the feet of Jesus. And in those times we discover what I read in my text in Psalm 46 and verse 1, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in our time of trouble. We learn that about God waiting on him. Prayer is an exciting adventure. Now, one person believes it, okay. <laughs> Try that again. 
Prayer is an exciting adventure. It, 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 it's, it's a joy. It's a privilege. It's an excitement that we get to talk to God. We get to talk to the creator of the universe. It's exciting. And, and let me tell you this. Prayer is not always necessarily asking God for something. I think sometimes we confine our prayers to my grocery list of needs. And it's okay to go with God with what we need. He invites us to come and ask. He invites us to cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. But don't just limit it to that. Don't just limit it to God. I'm rushing in. Here's my list today. Do all these things to, for me and I'll see you tomorrow. It's more about a relationship and coming into his presence and be still and hearing God's voice and hearing God say, I love you, I care about you, you're my child. We run into his arms. Many don't pray unless they have a problem. A lot of people, men and women in the church, they don't really begin to pray until they have a problem. And then they get serious and then they pray and they say, oh God, help me now. The trouble is, problems will keep on coming because that's the only way God gets your attention. Now, I want you to think about that a minute. If the only time you pray and seek God is when you're going through a trial or a test or a problem, I will tell you those trials and tests and problems will keep rolling in so God can get your attention. He says in Hebrews that every child he loves, he disciplines. And so he wants a relationship with you. He wants to spend time with you. Uh, and don't go about it the hard way. Don't neglect God or forget God and put him on a shelf. And then when you have a problem, you cry out to God. I will tell you, he will do whatever it takes to keep you in relationship and closeness to him. Even if it means that discipline and so we come to him in prayer. God invites us, cast all your cares upon him. And if you carry burdens, you carry those cares, it will bend you over. And so we can cast them on the Lord and he will lift us up again. But prayer is more about relationship than my problems. Genesis 3. You see Adam and Eve. In fact, you can turn there if you want. We're going to read a verse in a minute. Adam and Eve, the Bible says they walked with God in the Garden of Eden. Can you imagine the very beginning of creation? God makes man and makes woman, and uh, they're with them, and they have this intimate fellowship and relationship in the garden. They're with them every single day, and it's really cool what's going on in the Garden of Eden as they walk together in the cool of the day. Uh, the paradise, we think of it, the Garden of Eden as paradise. Let me tell you why it was paradise. It was paradise because God was there. Not because the trees were beautiful and not because the birds were singing and all that's nice and wonderful and not because the brook flowed through the middle of the garden, but that's not what it made it paradise. What makes anything paradise is the presence of God. And God is there and he's with them and he's in the garden and he's, they're walking together and fellowshipping together in perfect harmony with God and all of God's creation. It was an amazing, amazing place. Uh, Jeannie, she's, by the way, Jeannie's in Minneapolis today. She just had another grandbaby, uh, little grandbaby girl. So she's spending some time up there with her daughter-in-law and son and grandba- new grandbaby. But we like to take walks at night. And what we'll do is, uh, you know, in the evening, uh, when it's too hot in the summer, we'll wait till a little bit later, maybe 7, 8 o'clock, and we'll walk just up and down the street. And it's our time. It's not so much about the exercise. There's a little benefit from that. We don't walk all that fast. But it's more about that's the time we talk and that's the time we connect. 
And there are some times that we just walk and we don't say anything. Or sometimes we drive in the car and maybe there's not a lot of conversation going on. But it's just being with that person. And that's kind of the way it is with God. It's more about being with him in his presence and relationship and just hearing him say, I love you. And there are times with my wife, I don't have to say anything, but I can just look at her eyes. And she can look at my eyes. And we can kind of get that, you know, I love you. And that's really cool. And that's the way it is with God. Now let's look at Genesis 3 and verse 8. Look at this, how they walked and talked. It says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he walked in the garden in the cool of the day. Notice they heard the sound. They had been on that journey so much with God, they learned to hear the sound of his footsteps. Wow. Okay. Verse 8. And then it goes on and it says, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Adam and Eve had gotten so close to God they recognized the sound of his footsteps. Yet sin and dishonesty disrupted that fellowship. And it caused them to hide from God. So no longer do they have now what we call an open, transparent, honest relationship. Sin blocked that. Sin messed that up. And sin will do that. And so it is all ruined because of their sin. Make room for prayer. Learn to hear his footsteps. Learn to hear his still, small voice. Uh, I know it's challenging. The kids are going in all kinds of directions, and you work long, hard hours every day. And sometimes we just feel so guilty at the end of the day. We're so wore out. We don't feel like praying, and we don't do it. And uh, it seems like we can't find the time. And we say, Pastor, I really know I need to pray more. And I know every time I preach a sermon like that, the guilt just kind of rolls over the end of the, the, pod- the platform here. But I'm not trying to heap guilt on you. I'm trying to wake us up to the urgency of prayer. But, but listen, it, It's not about the quantity of time, it's about the quality of time. And some of you think, well, if I can't carve out an hour in my day, I won't pray and I won't talk to God, and and it's good to pray an hour, and some of you will work to that where you're praying an hour every day. But listen, don't let the fact that you don't have an hour keep you from communication with God and spending time with him. It is about the quality, not the quantity. In fact, the word of God addresses that in Matthew 6, 7. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. And so the pagans were marked by long prayers, repetitious words, no feeling, no emotion, no meaning. They just repeated their prayers day after day after day, but they were not being heard. And so he said, it's not about your many words. It's not the amount of your words. It's the quality of your time with the Lord. The more space you create for honest prayer, the more you begin then to learn how to hear God's voice. Now, we're talking about how to recognize, how to hear God's voice, how to listen to him. It starts by making room in your heart for prayer, but you'll begin the more time you spend in prayer talking to God, you'll also then begin to learn how to hear him speak to you and how to hear his voice. And this is the most important thing. 
in 1 Kings chapter 19, there's a story. There's a story of a man by the name of Elijah. And Elijah, of course, has been on the run from Jezebel. Jezebel's out to kill him because he won on Mount Carmel. And a lot of her prophets were killed on Mount Carmel. And so she is angry. And she puts out a wanted poster. And Elijah's picture's on the wanted poster. And he's a desperado. And he's running. And he goes up. And the, he, the Bible says he goes to Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he's hidden in a cave. And he is despondent. He has a uh, death wish on his head. He wants to die. He's tired of living. He has a persecution complex. I'm the only one left. I'm the only one serving you. Everybody's turned against you. And you get this dialogue going on in 1 Kings chapter 19. And then God is going to begin to speak in a very direct way to Elijah because Elijah is still the prophet of God. And he's going to give him some instructions about who's he going to anoint and who his successor is going to be. But he's got to get Elijah's attention. And so he begins to send supernatural signs to capture his attention. And it says in verse 11, he says, uh, uh, there was a powerful wind that God sent. The wind was so strong, it tore the mountain apart. And then it makes an interesting statement. It says, but the Lord was not in the wind. In other words, a tornado, a hurricane, a wind force that is just so powerful, and, 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 and Elijah's listening, but God wasn't in that tornado. Wow. And then, and then it says in uh, verse number 11, then he sends an earthquake, and the whole ground shakes, and, the, and, there's, and it's opening up, and there's a powerful earthquake, and then it says the same thing, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then he sends a fire in verse number 12, but he says the Lord was not in the fire. He was not in any of these supernatural manifestations. Now follow me here. But he used these to get Elijah's attention. But in verse 12 it says, and after the fire came a gentle whisper. A whisper. And he began to hear the voice of the Lord, and God began to speak to him in a gentle whisper whisper it's in the it's it's in the quiet place when we begin to shut out the world and that's why prayer is so important it is centering with god it is shutting out the world shutting out all the distractions getting along with god so you can hear god's gentle still voice the reason we can't hear him is there are so many other voices always going on around us we are so busy doing other things Uh, we got music on we got the television on we got the voice of everybody around around us, speaking to us, and what's happening is we can't hear God because all the other voices are drowning out his gentle, still, quiet voice. That's why we've got to get alone with him. This crazy, chaotic world is very, very loud. And so when we begin to make room for prayer, then we will begin to learn to hear God's still, small voice. Turn, if you would, to John chapter 10. John 10. Look at verse number 3. It says, The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name. He leads them out. When he is brought out, all his own, he goes ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Now, this is God's word describing Jesus as our shepherd. Because he's our shepherd, you have the privilege of knowing how to hear God's voice. I think one of the most 
frequently asked questions that people ask me as pastor, how can I know when God is speaking to me? How can I hear his voice? I don't hear anything. It's quiet out there. I'm praying. I'm getting no response. Nothing's happening. How can I learn to hear the voice of God? Well, first of all, John 10 says you have that privilege, but you will never hear God, the voice of the shepherd, if you are hearing so many other thousands of voices all around you. And so as we begin to spend those times with God in prayer, we become sensitive in our Holy Spirit, so we begin to hear the voice of God. And when you learn to hear and distinguish his voice, it will come through loud and clear. Create space to pray. Honest, transparent prayers. Be still and know that I am God. Learn to hear his voice. You will hear that in that quiet, still place of prayer. You know, we want God to speak in the supernatural. We want the earthquakes, and we want the wind, and we want the fire. We want the, wow, God, that's amazing. You just lit up the sky and told me what your will is for me. But God wasn't in those supernatural signs. He was in the everyday, still small voice of speaking to our heart, prompting our spirit, leading us, guiding us. Now, I'm, I'm going I'm to lay out some challenges for you guys today, and we're going to get to a card at the end that's in your bulletin, but I want to give you a seven-minute challenge. Now, listen, you say seven minutes. That's nothing. That's the, exactly the point. I want you to start somewhere. And so I'm making it simple and easy. I want everybody in the house to spend seven minutes a day in prayer. Give me seven. Seven honest, open, transparent minutes. Start there. Now, what will happen is you start there, and that will begin to grow, and it will get longer and longer and longer. But I think sometimes we don't start praying because we're looking for that half-hour chunk or that hour chunk, and you haven't been in the habit of prayer, and, and you're done in about two minutes, and you know, you're, that's kind of it. So, so start with seven. Give me seven good minutes of honest, open, transparent communication with God. Make room. Number two, make room for God's word. Make room for God's word. One of the ways that God speaks to us is through his word. He gives us the Bible. So you say, I, I don't know what God's will is. Bam, right here. It's a whole book of it. God's will. Listen to his word. How many times have we tried to read through the Bible in one year, only to get to Leviticus, and the, the moldy walls and the moldy plagues and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, and we get behind and we get so far behind we can't catch up and we fail. I, you know, we, we've read Genesis uh, many, many times in my own journey. I, I'd make a commitment January. I'm going to read through the Bible this year. Jan- I'm going to do it. And when I was younger, I would say, God, I'm going to read through the Bible. And I get started and I get behind and days would get crazy and I miss a day here, miss a day there. Before you know, I'm too far behind to catch up. And and I would start all over again and again and again. At that time, early on, when I was probably in my 20s, late 20s, they came out with the one-year Bible. The one-year Bible saved my hide. It got me reading the Bible through every single year. I've, and just, I started probably about 27, 28, and I've read it through every year since then, and I'm an old man now. So, so read it through every single year. And that one-year Bible gave me an Old Testament scripture, a New Testament scripture, and a, a, a psalm or a proverb. Now, they've made it even easier now. You have Bible apps on your phone. There's a wonderful Bible app. It's Uverse, and you can go online. You can download 
download the entire Bible. They have it in every version version imaginable. They have it in, uh, there's different Bible reading plans you can select. I'll do some year chronological plan where I read through it chronologically and it kind of puts the Bible in order of events the way they happened. Uh, Other times they'll break it up and there'll be different Old New Testament passages. I read different versions each year. And, 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 And it's so easy. It's right there on your phone. Bam. And you just, I just scroll up and, and read it there. And it's awesome. And it's God's word. And you can even punch, it, uh, punch a button and it will read it for you. And you can listen to it. And some of you guys are auditory list, uh, learners and you learn better when you hear it. And so maybe just even hearing the word when you're in your car, when you're out, when you're, when you're sitting down in your chair, when you're whatever, you listen to the word. But it's, it's easy to do. And it will help you grow because it is simply God's will for our lives. It tells us how to live. Turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. This is incredible. This is all about the Word of God. It is the longest psalm in the Bible. And uh, uh, it's it's about God's law. The law of God. The law of God. The law of God. And he says it over and over all throughout. I'll just read verses 9 through 16. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands okay i have hidden your word in my heart that i might not sin against you praise be to you O lord teach me your decrees with my lips i recount all the laws that come from your mouth i rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches i meditate on your precepts and consider your ways i delight in your decrees i will not neglect your Word, your word, your word. Now the whole psalm, I could read the entire psalm, it goes on and on and on about the word. Now let me just give you some things very quickly from this. First of all, the word of God protects. It will protect you. It will guard your heart and your mind. Verse 11, the word of God have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. The word is your protection. Where's your protection if you're not reading the word? Hmm. The word will guide you. Look at verse 105 of this same psalm. I just jotted down a few things. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light for my path. If you're looking for guidance, where do you find it? The word. Mm. The word is your counsel. Look at verse number 24. Your statutes are my delight. They are my counselors. Listen, we go everywhere looking for a counselor. That's the thing today. We've got to find a counselor to handle all my problems. Here's your counselor. Read the book. Oh, my goodness. I'm preaching now. Meddling. <laughs> Verse 32. The word is your freedom. I run in the path of your commands. You have set my heart free. There's freedom in the word. Look at verse 45, same thought there. I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. Look, if you were at verse 49, the word of God gives hope. Uh, Remember your word to your servant, for you have given me hope. There's hope in the word. You're depressed, you're discouraged, you're hopeless. Read the word, read the book. See how it ends. See how the blood of Jesus Christ and how powerful that is. It gives us hope. It gives you wisdom for warfare. Look at verse number 98. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies. Isn't that good? For they are ever with me. 
They give you wisdom for warfare. Uh, they give you joy. Look at verse uh, 111. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. There's joy in the book. Joy in my heart. And then verse 165, give you peace. Let me read that one to you. Just These are good. Great peace have they who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. Everything we need is in the word of God. It's there, everything. Why don't we read it? Why does it sit on the shelf? Why does the most important book in our life hand it directly down to us from God? Why is that the one book we don't read? Mm, mm. Everything we need. And as you draw, what happens is, here's the deal. As you draw closer to God through the written word, you will come to know the living word better. John 1 tells us that that in the beginning was the word, and the word became, the, the word dwelt among us. The word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning. All things were made by him. And then in verse 14 it says, and the word became flesh. And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of God. And so this word uh, that, was, that was with God from the very beginning, that was fully God, that is the full expression of God to man, uh, this word, the word that spoke to Moses on top of the mountain when he got the Ten Commandments, the word that was in that gentle voice that spoke to Elijah, the word was Jesus. And then the word became flesh. And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. You know, it's amazing today when God speaks in dreams. He does that. He still does that. It's amazing when he speaks in visions. He did it in the New Testament. He still gives us visions today. It's amazing when God at times will speak with an audible voice. He did that many, many times throughout the word of God. And sometimes we're looking for the wind and the earthquake and the fire, and we're looking for the audible, and we're looking for the visions and the dreams. But we miss God's desire to speak to us through his word. And he will speak to you through the word of God. The scriptures inspire divinely breathed words of God. Make room, create space to listen to God's voice through his word. So, the first challenge, give me seven minutes of prayer. Challenge number two, give me seven minutes of reading the word. Uh, this is small. This, this, this is nothing. This is, now I've asked for 14 minutes out of your day. 14 minutes every single day. Seven, seven. Give me seven. Give me seven. Seven minutes in prayer. Seven minutes in the word. And it, for, it may be about one chapter. You'll start out with one chapter. And as you grow into this, you'll want to begin reading the whole Bible through. And you'll read Old New Testament Psalms. And you'll spend 20, 30 minutes in reading your word. But to start, just, just start somewhere, people. Give me seven. And it may probably be one chapter. And I would start maybe in the New Testament. Start in the book of John. Start in Matthew. Start, start maybe read through the New Testament. Give me a chapter. Take a little pen, a journal, and begin to write down some thoughts and ideas that are God is showing you. Listen, take a, if you're, you can't, it's hard, a little harder to do on your apps anymore, but if you have a Bible you're reading out of, mark it up. Mark it up. But you're, not, you're not messing the Bible up. It's okay. Mark it up. It's for you. All right? Give me seven. Give me seven. The third seven is, give me seven minutes of meditation. Verse 97 says, oh, how I love your law. I meditated on it all day long. Meditation is that simple time of getting 
centering on God, centering on the Lord, centering on his law, centering on the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's really the time when we get still and we just listen. I'm not talking anymore. I'm just now listening. So what I'm going to challenge you to do is give me 777, 21 minutes, 27 minutes of prayer, seven minutes of the word, seven minutes of meditating on God, on his love, on his nature, on who he is, and just gentle, quiet worship and being still and knowing that he's God. Give me 777, 21 minutes every day. It will, now listen, I'm going to tell you something. You do it for 777, you do it for seven weeks, 49 days, you have just created a habit. 40, you see the number 40 a lot in the word of God. That's because that's, that's the time it takes to create a habit, either a good habit or a bad habit. If you can do anything 40 days in a row, it will become so much a part of your life, it will be very easy to do the rest of your life. And so give me seven, seven, seven for seven weeks. Bam. You got it. All right. Number three, make room for mentors. Ooh, I got to hurry. Make room for mentors. God uses other spiritually mature believers to speak into your life. He will speak to you through other people. That's why God gave us each other. That's why we're in a church. That's why we're in a body of believers because there are those mature believers in Christ who will speak a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge at just the right time, and and it can be God speaking through that person directly to you. They can touch on what you need in your life. Mentors, God will speak to any, and your mentor, it doesn't have to be necessarily somebody that's older than you. It may be, but it's somebody usually who is more, uh, older spiritually than you are, has more spiritual years behind them than you do, and let them begin to speak into your life and help you. Spiritual maturity and strength, they're ahead of you in that area, and so they are qualified to be your mentor, and they can speak to you and, and help you. Jesus mentored, in the better biblical words, discipled. He discipled 12 disciples, and he spoke into their life, and they listened to what he had to say, and so he had disciplees. Paul mentored or discipled Timothy, Titus, Silas, and Luke, uh, just among a few that he mentored along the way. Elijah mentored Elisha or discipled Elisha. Mentors help us become better Christ followers and better leaders of people. And God, it's a gift. It's a gift to the church. He said, this is why you have people around you. It's so you can learn to hear the voice of God through your mentors, through your teachers, through your trainers, through them. Somebody you can trust, somebody who is spiritually mature, somebody who is able to maintain confidentiality. Mentors. There are, I'm going to tell you, there are wonderful pastors that I have that speak into my life. I need mentors. They keep me on track. They check on me. They make sure I'm keeping my eyes where they need to go, keeping my focus where it needs to be, keeping me on the right course. I have ministers or other pastor friends who speak into my life, whom I look up to as my mentors. Everybody needs someone who they will, who they will allow to speak into their life. And they, what they do is in the body of Christ, in 1 Corinthians 12, he gave gifts to the church. And one of the gifts is the word of wisdom. There's words of knowledge. There's discerning of spirits. And God can speak to us through these mentors through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but he always does it through one another in the body of Christ, right? He tells us that gifts are given, everybody has been given gifts by his Holy Spirit, several as he will. Why? So that the whole body might be edified. So you are a gift for somebody else. That's how we operate. That's how we function and flow and roll. 
They also can share the wisdom of their experiences that they have been through, their testimony of what God has done for them. And you all have a story and you have a testimony and others speak to you. Mentors are used by God to help you grow to the next level and be spiritually healthy. It's the reason your church is important. It's the reason your groups and discipleship is so important. In your bulletin, you have some of the discipleship opportunities. We've put that in there today. You can take that out. You can look at that. There's many places for you to get plugged in where you can uh, be in a small group environment, a small group setting where you can learn from each other and grow together. We have groups that are scattered about the entire low country area. There is a home group you can get involved in as well. Anywhere you want to go and you can grow and learn together as a group. God gave gifts to the church. Turn to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. Look at verse number 11. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service. These are, these are ministry gifts to prepare the body for service and ministry, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith, in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature. God's plan for us is to grow, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, these are leadership gifts. Now, every one of these five gifts, and some say four, some would say pastors, teachers are all one gift, but however you break it down, doesn't matter. You get the idea. Five-fold gift. Uh, all those gifts are in operation to some degree here in the body of Christ at Faith Assembly. They are also in operation in a larger degree across the whole body of believers in the church. I think there are some evangelists that speak with a very strong prophetic voice and a prophetic anointing and we learn from them. There are apostles that God has placed all over the church and all over his body. He gave pastors and teachers, evangelists. Those are all gifts that God has placed in his church so that the body may be mature and the body may grow up. Now here at Faith Assembly of God, whether you like it or not, I'm the gift God gave you. I'm the pastor. My, my main gifting is pastor-teacher. Pastor-teacher is where my gift mix lies. I operate some in the prophetic, a little bit, but pastor-teacher is my sweet spot. That's, that's my main gifting. Moving more in an apostolic ministry as we launch more campuses and more churches, and I'm raising up more leaders all the time. To uh, We'll launch another campus this fall, and then one after that, and one after that. So as we begin to spread out a little bit more, I find myself doing more leadership development with my younger pastors, and so I'm operating some in an apostolic role, but, but primarily pastor-teacher is still my sweet pot. It's, it's still where I like to operate and function in and flow in the best. And so as a gift... To the body of Christ, you as the members of this should take advantage of that gift and listen to what the pastor has to say. And so when I study and prepare and prepare my heart to bring a message on Sunday morning, that's why you come in and say, God, what do you want to teach me today? How can I hear your voice? What are you saying to me? What are you speaking to my heart? And you're jotting down those notes and we are all growing together in the family of God. Give gifts, gifts to the church. So as I preach, I encourage you also to check everything out by the word of God. Now, I'll say it, and I'll study it, and I'll give you scripture, but I want you to check it out. 
Listen to this, Acts 17, verse 11. He says, now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. So I want to encourage you, when I preach the word, you follow along with me, you check it out, you make sure it's in God's word. You make sure there's proper interpretation. He says that he commends the Bereans more than the Thessalonians because they took the time to check it out. Do that. Do that. And God will speak to you. And when you take the notes home and you look at them again and you go over them again, he's speaking to you all over again. And it's awesome. And you're growing in Christ and it's getting really, really exciting. Part of your spiritual health involves margins, creating space, and I think maybe the most important margin you'll ever create is to listen to God. We've got to hear what God's saying. We've got to be in touch with the Lord, hearing God's voice. We'll hear his voice through prayer. We'll hear his voice through the word. And we'll hear his voice through other mentors and believers in the body of Christ. And as you start, I'll tell you this, when you start trying to do some of these disciplines, these spiritual disciplines, when you start on the 777 plan, every distraction will come imaginable. The enemy does not want you praying. He does not want you in the word. He does not want you in meditation, spiritual, biblical meditation. He doesn't want you in any of those kind of things. Every distraction imaginable would come. Listen, get out of that. Get Find a place alone. Get by yourself and do 777. He will come against you. Now, here's the deal. And I'm going to wrap it. I'm, I'm done. I'm just uh, Give me three more minutes. Some of you will have to say no to some things to make room for something else. Martha had to say no at that time to cooking and cleaning to say yes to wait at the feet of Jesus Christ. Here's what the Apostle Paul said. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians 10, 23. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. So what is he saying? He's saying, he's saying, in our life, I'm saved by grace. And I'm free in Christ Jesus. And I'm basically freed to do whatever I want under God's grace following his law. I mean, there's total freedom in Christ Jesus. His grace is amazing. But a lot of junk I just don't want to do. Because it'll swallow up your time. It will destroy your time. We can spend hours in front of the television set. Permissible? Sure. No problem with it. Not a, not a big deal. But is it, is it beneficial? Is it constructive? Some things are. Most of it's junk. There is nothing more beneficial, though, than learning to hear God's voice. So pray. So get into the Word. So seek out a mentor. So prioritize your life to create those margins, that space, for that which is the most important. Amen and amen. End of message. Take this card out right here in your bulletin. We're trying to give you some helps to take home with you. I want you to put this in your Bible somewhere. And let me read the back. In order to make room for prayer, scripture reading, and meditation, we probably need to drop some things less important in our lives. What one thing can we give up to make room for seven minutes of prayer, seven minutes of scripture, and seven minutes of meditation. Now, the Holy Spirit, I want to ask the Holy Spirit to drop some things in your heart.
right now that maybe you're going to let go of to make room for that which is the most important. Now, listen, first of all, I know many of you have awesome prayer lives and you're spending time in the Word and you're doing these things already, and that's awesome. But, But there's many, many of us who have not been spiritually disciplined and we're not growing. And God's plan for every single believer is to grow so that you will be profitable in ministry in the kingdom of God. This is our plan for faith assembly of God. I believe this is what God wants us to do here. And I'm excited about it. I'm excited about these margins that we're going to begin to create now in our life. So we're going to pray, jot something down, and then go home. And then I'll see you next week. And we'll talk more about the next spiritual discipline and the next margin that I believe God wants us to do. If you're a guest, I'll meet you in the Welcome Center. Let's all stand together. Father, we love you. You're just... Thanks for listening to this weekly podcast. Check out faithishere.org for podcasts and videos of our previous messages.